Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. So I got to sit with the incredible Jim McMahon who won the Super Bowl. He was a quarterback. For those of you who don't know, um, quarterback for the Chicago Bears. Um, in the mid 80s, uh, he represents my childhood. It's, you know, for anyone that was around back then, you know how special the Bears were and how unique he was. He was like no other. Um, I don't know if he could exist in these times because he truly did not give a fuck. Um, He worked his ass off um, and he did it his way. Um, And his way was to figure out a way to win. And uh, he went against the establishment. And um, even his coaches, when he knew uh, what was best, and uh, he would be viewed today as an arrogant, cocky um, guy that would probably be shut down. Um, And, you know, this conversation uh, exceeded my expectations by a long shot. He was, I, I had only been, I reached out to him, we'd only been texting and this was a way, I was, I was truly nervous for this conversation now. Um, and he is as authentic as they come. Um, you know, there are a lot of cliches about, you know, guys who are mavericks and, and a last of a dying breed, but he is one of those guys like no other. So honored to have the great Jim McMahon on our show. Here we go, kids. This concept's with pivot. You understand just how we living. This for me is like rap religion. Open on beat because we got this Skype. When it comes to this, y'all, I can get it hype. When it comes to this, y'all, calm has risen. How you living, huh? Yo, how you living, pivot? I can hear you, brother. Can you hear me now? I can, yes, sir. And true to form, you were ready before us. You were in the huddle, and we are late. <laughs> no worries. I'm try- I was trying to get you on my computer, and it- something's not working there. So sorry about the uh, the little phone thing I got working. No, no worries, man. Uh, listen, I'm glad that we spoke earlier so I could get the jitters out, because you know I- I'm sure with you, it's either one or the other. It's either you have your anonymity, or people lose their fucking minds. Right? It's one or the other. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) There's no in between with you. I love it. You know, it's funny, um, not to name drop, but Tom Brady said that he played golf with you one time and you were wearing no shoes, overalls, and stacking up Bud Light cups up to the ceiling. Is this true? Uh, I don't know about the overalls, but the beer and the barefoots... (laughs) Sounds about right. <laughs> so no shoes on the golf course. No, I don't like shoes, period. You know, I, I had a tough time wearing those cleats all those years. And then the fat guy stepping on my feet. I just don't like anything. <laughs> anything. And right now I got a bad foot, so I can't even put a shoe on. So it's, uh, yeah, I'd rather be barefoot or flip-flops. I heard that, man. Um, you know, it's so funny. I've got about 116,000 questions to answer, to ask you, man. Um you know, when, when you were doing your thing, um, it just feels like it was different times in so many, in so many ways. Like you were a dude who, and you tell me because listen, you know, every actor is a frustrated athlete. Let's be honest. I was a five foot nine high school uh, linebacker and there are no five foot nine Jewish linebackers in the NFL, as you know. It doesn't exist. I don't remember one, yeah. <laughs> my jersey number said linebacker and my body said kicker, so it was a little awkward. But I had great lateral movement and I could hit people. But um, anyway, thank God um, I didn't peak in high school because it inspired me to do what I'm doing. But in terms of what 
and that was on the outside of Chicago. In terms of what, what you were doing, it feels like there was such a variable with your energy and your focus and your clarity of intent, and that was infectious with the Bears back in the day because they knew they were in good hands with you. And it, it, well, feel, it feels like that was so much of the magic, wasn't it? Well, I think my teammates felt that, but, you know, Ditka might've had a few uh, different opinions at, at certain times, but uh, yeah, I, I, I understood the game and I, and my, my guys knew that they knew that I, I knew what I was doing. So they, you know, if I changed the player, if I didn't happen to call the play that was sent in, they knew I was doing it for a reason, not to just piss off the coach. You know, I, I was out there to win ball games. And before I got there, I mean, they, they've always been known for a great defense, but you can't win with just one side of the ball. I mean, you got to, I think I helped them learn how to win and, uh, you know, and not care about what people thought. You know, I said, the only thing that matters is Sunday afternoon. You know, you win the games on Sunday, a lot of other stuff goes away. And uh, thank God we didn't have to deal with the social media and all this crap that's going on now. But, you know, we just got to, you know, play football and, and, uh, and have a lot of fun because we, we definitely did have some fun. Yeah, man. I mean, you, you were the, the last of a dying breed, a guy that, you know, we're living in times and you mentioned so, social media where, you know, and, and I understand it because I'm a target as well. Um, you know, sometimes they can monitor your every move and big decisions can be made about all the hard work that you've put into something and be taken away very fast. Um, whereas you were a guy who you, as you said, on Sunday afternoon, you came to play and you won and you won it all. And the rest of the time, you were very authentic. You weren't a company man. You were speaking your truth as you as you know it. You would say things to even the head of the league like Roselle. You were very outspoken to him. And that doesn't exist anymore at all. I don't feel no. Like. It's it's too bad because because what's happening in, in a lot of these sports is I think is ridiculous. But yeah, I didn't uh, I didn't really take any heat from it, you know, or grief from anybody, uh, especially the commissioner. You know, they find me. I found out later that you know they find me. Really, they had no reason for finding me. You know, they were they were mad at me because Adidas wasn't paying the league, and I'd been wearing an Adidas headband for a couple of years, and nobody said a word. Right. And all of a sudden we're in the playoffs and, you know, they're making a big stink about it. And, uh, you know, I made him look kind of foolish after I put his name on there. I didn't get a fine that week. I actually got a, a call from him thanking him for the free advertising. And uh, he was letting me know that I couldn't wear the, the headband in the Super Bowl. And I said, well, <laughs> we'll see about that. <laughs> and because uh, I had gotten a hold of the rule book some, uh, somehow, it ended up in my locker and I was going through it. And I found out they shouldn't have been able to find me the first time. And so um, and Adidas offered me a lot of money to wear it in the Super Bowl. And I said, look, I'm, I'm going to wear it, but it might not be on my head. But you're going to be able to see it. And so I decided I was going to wear all charities during the Super Bowl. And if they find me for wearing a charity, they're going to look like idiots. So I, uh, I wore the Adidas headband all during the pregame warm-up. And I had the head referee chasing me around the field, telling me he's <laughs> not not, not going to let me on the field with that on. And I said, yeah, yeah, I know all about that. And so right at the end of the national anthem, I'm standing there with Walter, myself, and the head ref. And I went to – the anthem was over. I went to put my helmet on. And he said, I can't let you on the field with that. And I looked at him right in his face, and I said, I know, but you can't do a damn thing about this. And I pulled it down around my neck. And you can see Adidas clear as day in every picture that, that happened that day in the Super Bowl. And he just started laughing at me. He says, yeah, you're right. <laughs> uh, I looked over at the equipment guys to give me the first headband. I think it was uh, JDF. It was for juvenile diabetes. Uh, my attorney's son was diabetic at the time. And so I wore it for him. And every series after that, I changed. I, I wore Children's uh, Miracle Network, uh, Children's Hospitals, uh, POW. Uh, I mean, I can't even remember all the charities I wore. And then I end up with, with Pluto on my head at the end of the game. And that was a tribute to... Uh, uh, an old college teammate of mine who was actually on the Bears in 1983, uh, he was on our roster, and they found a brain tumor in his head. And uh, he had just gone through his second uh, surgery just before the Super Bowl. I, I wanted him to know that I was thinking about him. So I know Dick Enberg and a few other guys thought I was I was I was uh, I had left the planet by then, but uh, that was just 
that was my tribute to him and everybody that knows Pluto knows what that meant. So that's beautiful, man. And, you know, true to the media, they indeed took the Pluto thing and, you know, tried to make you into this lunatic, you know, instead of focusing on the fact that every week you were representing a different charity. And, you know, because that's, you know, how irresponsible the media can be. And that's a whole other subject that we could go down forever. Yeah, I don't have a whole lot of friends in that arena. So. <laughs> I bet. And, you know, speaking of that, you know, you're one of these guys who's been able to really lay low and live your life, you know, and I don't know what your secret is, you know, but you've managed to stay, you know, out of the headlines. Well, I've, uh, haven't done, I haven't done a heck of a lot since I retired. I haven't had a job. So I've uh, been just basically enjoying life. And uh, I wasn't didn't really have to work. So, you know, I did a I did a nice job. You know, I raised four kids, put them all through school. I've got five kids or grandkids. And wow. and, uh, you know, I got a lot of a lot of things to do other than, you know, sit around on Sunday and watch these games. now. <laughs> yeah, that that's amazing. Um was it was it intentional though that you just said you know what I want to keep out of the spotlight because I'm sure you had many options to go and commentate or do whatever you want. Well, I was never really. I didn't really want to be a commentator because I don't like watching the game. You know, I, I I love playing the game, but I'm not. I don't like sitting there watching it and then have to talk about it. You know, unless they get they have a, a network that comes out where you can say the truth and say, hey, you know, this guy sucks and this guy, you know. I wouldn't want to do it. <laughs> I, I think I, I, it just I, I, me to death to watch the games anyway, so I would really wouldn't want to commentate on it. Yeah, but I, I would not be alone when I would say that I'd, we all like to see that particular network. Um, you, <laughs> you, you know, you speaking the truth about the game that you know intrinsically would be really, really fun. My God, or even just we we cut to you, you know, at your place. And you're kicking back with an adult beverage or whatever, and you just weigh in when you want to, man. I, I, I personally, would, I, my God, would I love to see that? You know, I was that would, I was, that would be kind of fun every once in a while. You know, once a quarter, pop in and say, "Yeah, let's see what's going on." Yeah. If if I ever did that, I'd do it with my buddy Dave Archer. He was ex quarterback in the in the NFL, played for the uh, Falcons and Eagles and a few other teams. Great friend of mine. He actually does the color for the Falcons games down in Atlanta now. Okay. And he's he's one of the funniest human beings on the planet. So, and he's always talked about the Truth Network. He goes, Mac, as soon as they get that Truth Network, man, you got to do a game. So, yeah, that would be kind of fun to do it with Dave. Oh my God, I, I I think I think we all need that. We all need the truth now more than ever. I feel like I feel like things have spiraled out of control. Do you do you you know stay current and watch things, or have it gotten to the point where you maybe don't even want to look anymore? how absurd it's all gotten in the world. Well, it's definitely gotten nuts. And, uh, you know, I saw it coming a couple of years ago. I actually went and bought a house down in Mexico. <laughs> they were all coming this way. Uh, you could get some good deals down there now. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So I've got a nice place down there. I'm going to spend a lot of, a lot more time there. Uh, after this, I got Lake Tahoe coming up in a couple of weeks. If I'm, you know, I'm going, I'm probably not going to play well cause I still can't walk yet, but, uh, I'm going to struggle down the fairways. I was texting with Walter's son, Jared, and he was just saying, you know, how amazing you have been to him over the years. And he's just very, very, this is things that people don't know about that Walter Payton's son that you really, you know, have gone out of your way to make sure he's okay. Yeah. Jared's always been a great kid. Uh, you know, I've known him since he was, you know, since he was born basically. So, uh, he, he grew up in the locker room alongside my kids. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's always nice to, uh, to see him. I got to see him a couple of weeks ago. I was here in town and, and, uh, had lunch with him and Matt Suey. So that was kind of fun. Oh, wow. Reminisce with Matt and, uh, cause Matt was, you know, Walter's closest friend, as you know, and, uh, yeah. just, a, just a great guy to be around. A lot of fun. Yeah. Um, you know, being a Chicago guy and, and watching all you guys, I mean, you know, as you know, there's a probably very few other cities in the country that are as loyal as Chicago. When you win there, as you know, you're in their hearts forever, you know. And um, it's funny. I'm, I'm sure you saw The Last Dance. You know, it's like, we, you know, we almost need something like that 
you know, about what your guys run because it was just so amazing and incredible. Um, you know, what, what you guys all had to navigate, you know, and you, you mentioned sweetness. I don't think, you know, it's funny. I'll run into whoever Dickerson, Tony Dorsett, anyone, Billy Sims, any one of these guys, when I ask them, who's the greatest running back of all time without hesitation, they say, Walter. Yeah, Walter was a very unique individual, man. He was <clears throat> just did not like to be tackled. Um, <laughs> he, he, I don't know how he lasted the six years before I got there and the two years, my first two years in the league, because our offensive line was not real good. Uh, <laughs> and he was, you know, he guy missed one game in 13 years and he carried the ball, you know, how many times a year, you know, just amazing. Still the strongest guy I've, I've ever met in my life. And, you know, he was probably five, what, five, 10, 208 pounds, maybe with solid rock, just, uh, and just, the, just a joy to play with, you know, never, never said a word in the huddle, never said, you know, give me the ball, do this, that, do that. He just told me once, just keep doing what you're doing. Cause I'd actually, I audibled out of a play that was supposed to go to Walter and uh, it was my first start. And cause we were known, you know, third and long, what are the bears going to do? They're going to run sweep with Walter. Right. So I get up the line of scrimmage and there's literally nine guys waiting for the sweep to the right. Mm -hmm. And I had just audible to a simple little off tackle play to the left. And it was, I think it was third and seven. We got nine yards. And my left guard, who was a nine-year veteran at the time, Noah Jackson, you probably remember big Noah Bootsy, he's looking up at me as, as I'm making the call, and he's yelling, 34, what the hell's 34? <laughs> it, for some reason, it wasn't in the game plan that week, but it's a play that you've run, you know, a thousand times in practice and training camp. And I said, Bootsy, we're running right over you. Just block that guy. <laughs> and, I, and I think the defense thought we were just messing around. Right. You know, but at the end of the play, uh, Noah grabbed me and said, you got any more um, surprises for me, youngster? And I said, look, dude, I'm not running into a brick wall. I said, keep your ears open. I don't think anybody ever changed the play before I got there, the way they acted. And then uh, Walter grabbed me right after that and said, please keep doing what you're doing because I don't want to run into that either. And so, yeah, I, I'd, I'd make him I'd, – I'd hand the ball off to him, and he'd make a 30-yard run that only gained one or two. I mean, he'd bounce off people, go sideline to sideline. I'm like, dude, you got to go down at some point, you know, because I'm, I'm trying to throw blocks every once in a while as he's, <laughs> he's, he's traversing the field. But, uh, yeah, it was he was just fun to play with. Never go down. easy. never die easy. Never. No, die, no right? he never. He didn't. He didn't run out of bounds. He looked for he looked for somebody to hit. And, and, and to be honest with you, I haven't seen that since. I haven't seen that type of running where he would initiate contact. I remember I, I asked him one time, uh, what was the hardest hit you ever took? And, and he said he doesn't remember, but he remembered stiff-arming a guy and his hand went underneath the guy's pads. And as he pushed him off, he could feel the guy's heart beating in his hand. That's what he told me. Well, he had gorilla grip, man. <laughs> <laughs> He'd walk around with the ball in his hand at practice and say, knock it out of my hand, and you could kick it, punch it. You couldn't couldn't make him get it, give it up. Yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> it's just crazy, the, that strength. And do you remember Mount Trashmore? Does that ring a bell to you at all, Mount Trashmore? It's, it's one it's, – it's Is over, that where he ran up and down the that's hill? Where, exactly. And it's it's right around where I grew up, and we used to play football there. And so, as kids, we we knew, you know what what he would do, and and you know we would try to find as much of of his training you know videos as possible. But he would sprint up that hill, and you know of course he had a lot of God given talents. But that was I mean, you, uh, he had he had tremendous work work ethic. I mean, he ran the ball in practice like he ran it in the game. You know, he would, at least for the first 10, 15 yards. I mean, uh, yeah, he just, he had one gear. You know, just always, always on, you know, high. Yeah, kind of like Jordan in that way, right? Yeah, just got to, I mean, MJ's the same. I mean, he likes, MJ's just very, very competitive. You know, no matter what he's doing, he wants to win. I mean, that's, I think that's the difference between guys that make it you know, to this level and the guys that don't, you know, they want to, we want to win at everything. 
not just you know. I'm so I'm, I've been playing stupid gin game on this on this phone all afternoon. I'm getting pissed off when I get lose a gin. It's you know, <laughs> just, just the makeup of, of of us. I mean, we just want you know, we don't we don't accept defeat. Yeah, and thank thank God for it. Thank God you and Michael Jordan and Sweetness have what would be referred to as a competition disorder. I'm glad <laughs> I'm glad you do because. I've never had so much fun watching you guys in in my life, man. It was incredible. Yeah, we had we had a hell of a good run. I mean, eighty four to eighty eight. I mean, we we went to three NFC Championship games. I mean, we won a lot of football games. We just screwed up at home in the playoffs. I mean, <laughs> we had home field advantage four straight years, and we didn't do nothing with it. That's what that's what really irritated me the most. You know, to work that hard all season to get home field advantage and then just piss it away the first round. And then one, we lost the NFC Championship game at home in '88. So, you know, the Niners went to two two Super Bowls that we should have. We thought we should have been in, in but uh, you so know, you, they, they outplayed us. Are Are you the kind of person that can look <clears throat> back on your career um, and the, all the sacrifices you made and and the Super Bowl and and look back and and feel good about your accomplishments? Or are you still beating yourself up about the losses? Oh no! I mean, I I got to play 15 years with seven different teams. I I got to play with a lot of great people, uh, a lot of great coaches, a lot of shitty coaches too. But um, <laughs> yeah, I had a great time. You know, I I got you know I I got two two Super Bowl rings from the two oldest franchises in the league. You know, Green Bay and Chicago. So uh, I've my career. You know, I, I would have loved to you know have better stats. Because uh, what I did in college, that's all I did was throw the football in college, and, and then I get to the pros, I got to hand it off every play. That kind of sucked, but uh, yeah, I'm I'm happy with the way things ended up. You know, I would I would like to feel better. I wouldn't would wouldn't want to be having all these operations, but uh, other than that, yeah, I, I wouldn't change a thing. You you uh, and I'm not talking out of turn. You've made it public that you know you had a bunch of stem cell stuff with with your head was that from uh contact from the nfl those types of injuries is that the result of that yeah actually the the start of all my head problems was uh uh, the shot i took from charlie martin at green bay when he came up from behind me and picked me up and dumped me down after the play uh the first thing he hit the ground was almost uh, side and top of my head and that's uh it kind of knocked my neck out of whack and and uh, so I've been having problems ever since then. And uh, so I go back to New York every uh, three to four months. I get a, a little adjustment and then I'm, I can function again normally. But I, I know as soon as I start having headaches and I start remembering stuff and all I want to do is lay in a dark room, it's time to go see the doc. And so I've figured that part out. You know, a lot of my teammates have not and, and they've taken their own lives from that. You know, the, the pain gets so bad and you just, uh, you know, we're, we're proud guys. We don't we don't want to ask for help. You know, we, we try to figure this out on our own. And when, but when your brain starts messing with you, you know, you don't, you know, who do you turn to? Your brain starts telling you to do things, you know, you shouldn't be doing. And, uh, thank God these guys, uh, these doctors after the sports illustrated article I did back in, I think 2012 or whatever the hell it was, 11, um, they caught, they contacted me and said, Hey, come to New York. We think we can help. And they've been helping me ever since. And they, they're, they're trying to help. I, I sent all the people that I know that are having problems with their head, military friends of mine. Uh, I sent them all, I all sent them all his way. That's great, man. That's, that's really all you can do and, and, you know, speak out about it as, as much as possible. And you're right there. Um, there have been some players and some bears players. Was it? Yeah. That, that have taken their lives It's tragic, but you've also embraced herbal medication, if you will. Right. Oh, I've, I've embraced herbs for since 1973. Oh, okay. <laughs> I've always been a proponent of uh, the cannabis. Yes. Okay. It's, it's not, I've never considered it a drug. I, it's a medicinal herb. Um, you know, people are finally figuring that out. You know, it's not, it's not the boogeyman that everybody <laughs> thinks it is, but uh, yeah, it's, I, I was eating painkillers my whole career and then I was still eating them five years after I was done just to get out of bed. I was, you know, eating hundred, hundred or so Percocets a month and I had to get off that. And, uh, 
I've, I, the only painkiller I've taken uh, since 2004 was right after the surgery I had seven months ago. Uh, I tried to go without it, but uh, well, when that when that nerve block wore off, I, I said either cut my foot off or give me back some pills because yeah. it was killing me. But yeah, I, I take cannabis every day. I, uh, I I do edibles. I do tinctures. I could do I do uh, you know a lot of CBD as well. Uh, it's just you know you have a, a a system in your body for this plant. You know the endo endocannabinoid system. Everybody has it. Every living thing has it. So we're supposed to be using this plant. We've just been lied to for you know hundred plus years from the government. You know who would have thought that? Huh? <laughs> exactly. Well, that's great. And and you know, are you pretty outspoken about that? I know you don't you don't hide it. Oh no, I don't. I I, I speak. I've, I've done a lot of cannabis conferences. Uh, I was just down in Miami at the Cannabis Business Awards uh, a couple weeks ago. Yeah, I've. I've been to Jamaica. We did a, a, a show in Jamaica, actually, a convention. You know, everybody thinks it's legal in Jamaica. It's not legal in Jamaica, only for the Rastafarians. Whoa. So it's, uh, yeah, it, it should be legal everywhere soon, soon, I hope. Yeah, we're getting there. We're getting there slowly but surely, man. I'm, getting, wow. I'm in the business now. My partners are Kyle Turley and Evan Britton, a couple ex-ball players, a yeah. couple ex-offensive linemen. Yeah. And our company's called Revenant. It's there in California. Uh, we're based out of Ramona. And yeah, it's doing well. I was just out in San Jose a couple of days ago. I had an uh, investor meeting and uh, things are going well. So That's awesome, man. Well, you know, it's funny you say you haven't had a job in a while, but I think you're a pretty modest guy. I think that you probably do stuff like this and you're one of these guys who like, and I appreciate it because it's not the generation that's going on now you you take action without taking a victory lap or calling attention yourself beforehand you know when it's time to show up you show up yeah there's no you know to me there's no reason to you know toot your own horn i'm just i've like i said i've, I've enjoyed this plan i know what it can do for the body i know what it's done for me and, and many many others uh, yeah. and so I've, I've got no problem uh spreading the word that's awesome man that's beautiful. Um, do you, do you, what do you, what, you know, do you check in with the, with the NFL these days, guys like who are Mavericks, you know, doing their own thing that are a little, a little bit misunderstood, the Baker Mayfields of the world. Do you check in with what's going on with that stuff or do you stay out of it? No, I really, I don't really watch a heck of a lot. Don't, don't really keep up with it anymore. Uh, like I said, I love playing the game. I just kind of, check in on guys that I know are, are still in the league coaching Andy Reed, a uh, good buddy of mine. He was my tackle in college. I've known him for, you know, since the late seventies. Wow. Okay. Uh, great to see, you know, him having great success, loving, love ex offensive lineman that loves to throw the football. <laughs> uh, most old linemen want to run it all the time, but he, he went to BYU. He likes to throw it. Uh, Ron Rivera. He's still coaching. You know, I was teammates with him in Chicago as well as Leslie Frazier. Yeah, uh, doing a hell of a job in Buffalo. So, I just kind of keep up with those guys and see how they're doing. But other than that, I could care less. Right on. Um, what about Singletary? Singletary Samurai Mike. You know, he's still a very intense guy. Yeah, I got to see Samurai. Uh, I was in Utah last month at a function for our veterans, and uh, Mike was there. Always good to see him. He's yeah, he's always intense. I mean, he was he grew up. His father was a preacher, and he you know when he gets to talking, he sounds like, a lot like a preacher as well. But he's uh, he's an intense guy. There's no doubt about that. Did you ever you know he was a guy that I think it was at Baylor that had the record for for cracking the most helmets. I mean, you know, again, like sweetness, an undersized guy, or like Mike Tyson. But I don't know if there's anyone that hits harder, you know, than Singletary. Oh. I always loved to, to watch that film of uh, the NFC Championship game when he plugged the he plugged the hole against Eric Dickerson. Yeah, and just he just stonewalled him, and that was kind of a, kind of set the tone for the day. And it was uh, he had a lot of those hits. I'm surprised he's he's not having more f problems with his head. Yeah, who knows? Luck of the draw. Maybe you can you can help him because I remember you were the first guy to even you drew my attention to acupuncture before anyone. Cause I think you started on that process. Didn't you during the Super I started, Bowl? 
I, I was doing acupuncture back in college, but yeah, I've, I've tried, I've tried pretty much everything over the years when, you know, thing conventional stuff doesn't work. You try other things, but I used to do acupuncture almost daily in, uh, in college. You know, I had a bad shoulder back then. I had a lot of spasm in my, in my uh, shoulder and traps and my neck. And I actually played, I played a game with a needle in my ear. They stuck it one in my ear and, and taped it down. I played a game with it and I didn't even feel it, but uh, yeah, I'll, I'll try whatever, whatever I need to do to get out on the field. That's amazing. Yeah, man. I mean, you, you guys, you know, you're not checking in on what's going on today, but I don't even want to tell you, but it's not, not a lot's making sense. You got, and I don't even want to go into it, but you got guys like, like Baker Mayfield, who is just a very confident, outspoken guy who also delivers and he's misunderstood. And ultimately, um, I think that your work will speak for itself. And I hope it works out for a guy like that because he hasn't done anything wrong. He's just a guy that's, that's doing his thing. Um, and, you know, uh, Cleveland abandoned him. He'll find a, he'll find a place and do his hey, thing. He's a competitor. He's a I met, I met him. He won the Davey O'Brien award back, you know, when he was coming out of college and got to meet him back then. I always thought he was kind of a fiery guy. Yeah. He's, uh, yeah. he'll be fine. Yeah. He just, uh, People don't people don't like uh, other people to say things that they wish they could say. I guess they get uh, jealous of people that that speak their mind and wish you know they could say say that, but they don't have the balls. Yeah, I and that, that is that is a great way to put it. And because of that fear, they try to take away their power when when all someone's doing is being confident, speaking their truth. You know, and I so I think like. You know, would, would a guy like you, how would you be able to navigate in these times? Do you think you'd be able to to handle it? Uh, I would, <laughs> whether or not they could handle me. <laughs> I would, exactly. I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't have changed much, um, if anything. You know, I've, I've always, I've always, uh, you know, lived my life the way I want to do it. It's my life. You know, I try not to, you know, hurt anybody or. Or, or anything out like that, but I'm, I'm going to do things that I feel are, are, you know, either right or, or the right, the way I think they're right. So if you don't like it, fine. I, I'm not going to lose any sleep over how, you know, your opinion of me. So it doesn't bother me. Well, you know, what you just said there is incredibly powerful because you're, do we, do we lose? No, good. You're basically we, what you just said is, you're not giving any power to other people's feelings about you. So not at all. no. And, and that's when you operate on your highest level as a performer and as a human being, because otherwise you're operating out of fear and you're, you, you you're going to make yourself miserable and you're not going to perform well. Uh, there's really, there's nothing to be afraid of. I mean, well, somebody else's opinion. That's that. You know, I'm not afraid of that. <laughs> I love it. I love it. You know, um, yeah, I mean, you, you say that flippantly and, and you mean it. But, um, you know, we're living in very, very toxic times, man. And, you know, there's a whole other generation coming up and they're comparing and contrasting themselves to other people and they're letting other people have power over them. And I hate seeing it. You know, I hate seeing it. But, you know, you're an example of someone that always did it your way. You had incredible success. You're an authentic person. You're true to yourself. And you still are now. I mean, today, it's no joke. I know, I know you're having some real trouble with your foot. You could have easily canceled. You probably can't even move your foot. But you played through. And you're pretending to be interested in this interview. And I appreciate it. <laughs> It was it was struggle getting down here in the basement. Believe me, <laughs> these crutches are pain in the butt. Seven months on these things, it's just I'm tired. Well, I I, I want to talk to you when we're done with this interview because I uh I I found this guy this this PT who I, I've been working with and you know um it from what I understand about pro athletes you know it's 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 tough when you've sacrificed so much to get back into the gym and do all those things. But the reality of your journey is you've got to do PT. 
you know, um, oh, no, I got to learn to walk again. I got to learn to you know, get my leg back. I mean, it looks like I got polio in, the, in one of my legs. So, yeah, it's uh, it's it's tough. And, and feet are bad. All your nerve endings are down in your feet. So it's this is the most painful rehab I've ever had out of my 22 surgeries. Well, I know you're a guy with an open mind. Have you ever tried a Qigong? Qigong. No. Uh, you know, this is the part where anyone listening to this podcast. Is this like Tai Chi or is it? Uh... It, it, it actually was devised for healers and for people that have that are using so much of their energy and putting it towards healing others. And it's a way of taking and this will sound very esoteric, so bear with me. But it's a way of taking the energy and and putting it and bringing it up through your feet and into your body and to kind of like strengthen yourself because you're right. It all comes from your feet. Right. And so we'll we'll talk after this just because it's helped me a lot because I've had a, a bunch of crazy injuries and I've been able to navigate. And, you know, for 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 for, <laughs> those, for those of us who, you know, never got a chance, you know, to to play pro and, and to play on, you know, on the big stage, we're kind of like with me, like I'm completely delusional. I keep going to the gym thinking that I'm going to get a shot at something, anything. And it's never going to happen. But that's okay because I stay in good shape. I just played a role where I played a tap dancer. So for six to eight years, I had to learn how to tap dance. And it was humiliating. You know, and I'm not a kid anymore. But you can trick your body. Because you're, you know what I mean? Like, you know, I think there was that Cuban baseball player who just kept lying about his age, as they all do. But he just said, how old would you be if you didn't know how old you were? Yeah. yeah. I know I'm going to be 63 in two months. That's all I know. I'm, <laughs> I'm starting to feel it. Well, listen, man, you, uh, did, did we lose him? Did we lose you, Jimmy? All right, I'm back. We are back. Thank you, man. Thank you for your patience. Yeah. Yeah. My chick kept calling. I, I tried to hit end, but I, I don't know what the fuck I did. It's all good. It's good to have a woman that's worried about you, though. Yeah. She's down at our house in Mexico right now. Oh, cool. That's a good call to go there, man. It's beautiful there. Yeah, it's still kind of, uh, it's nothing like Cabo. It's still kind of a village town. Yeah, but I I think that I feel like people are, are getting how, how nice it is down there. So I think it's going to keep growing, you know, especially as they start alienating more people here in the states you know yeah i'm glad i'm glad we bought when we did because people are, are rushing down there now that's awesome are you are you still in touch i know you had uh you had your issues with with uh coach dicka back in the day but are you guys have you buried the hatchet yeah i got to see him he had his gridiron greats uh gala a couple weeks ago i got to see him he's uh he's struggling a little bit too he's He's still as honorary as hell, but uh, that's that's the coach. <laughs> What's tough is Steve McMichael, man. He's he's just withering away with his ALS. Yeah. Yeah, man. Bless him. Bless him. That's not easy, man. And he was such a force, Mongo. Yeah, such a big, strong guy. Now he's just he's smaller than me. <laughs> I feel like you guys all stay close. You know that 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 team stays close. Well, we get to see a lot of each other, or not a lot, but you know, when there's still quite a few guys that still live here in Chicago. Uh, I got to see Emery Moorhead, our tight end, and Kurt Becker, one of our offensive linemen, the other night uh, or a couple weeks ago, actually, and then Keith Van Horn, Jimbo Covert. I get to see once in a while. So yeah, Richard Dent. Uh, yeah, there's not too many guys that are out in Arizona. A lot of other retired ball players, but uh, and not, not too many bears out there. What what was that like? Because you guys, you you kind of because of who you were and the way you played the game, and because you were so outspoken and didn't care about how you were viewed and played the game your way, and you won. Um, I almost feel like that energy was infectious, and so when you guys did your thing and and had fun and did the Super Bowl shuffle and stuff like that. And between the fridge and 
all of the great outspoken personalities, you guys blew up. Um, how, how was that for you? You know, because you, you didn't really, there was no playbook for that. You know, you guys were uncharted territory. Yeah. I mean, it was, uh, you know, football was struggling back then too. You know, they, they weren't doing real well with the ratings. And, uh, but I think our team just kind of revitalized the league. I mean, people from all every, everywhere I go, you know, I mean, from grandmothers, you know, all the way down to little kids, they said, man, you guys look like you had so much fun. And, you know, we became fans and this and that. Mm -hmm. They, they saw us off the field. You know, a lot of guys had their own radio shows, TV shows. I mean, everybody had a car deal. I mean, it was, uh, yeah, it was, it's something in Chicago. Like you said, you don't even have to win in Chicago. If you play hard in Chicago, the fans understand that they, they understand the games. And uh, they know who plays hard and who doesn't. They love you if you play hard. And then if you play hard and you win, they'll love you forever. That's that's pretty much been true for the last 30, what is it, 36 years now, 37 maybe. That's a great way to put it. If you play hard and win, they'll love you forever. That's that's pretty cool. And you played hard and you won, and you, and you will be loved forever. It must be It must be difficult for you to even walk the streets of Chicago. Well, I'll be at uh, Gibson's and Rosemont tonight, so I'm sure I'll get a couple of free beers. Oh my God! And I always, always look forward to that. <laughs> Man, you're going right into the belly of the beast. You're going to Gibson's. I love it. Yeah, that's it's always a good spot. You know, there's there's there used to be so many great places around here in Chicago, but you know, what's what's going on here? Nobody really wants to go out. Yeah, but it, you know, Chicago is still Chicago, man. Um, and you're you're absolutely right. Like when you came to the Bears, I mean, the idea that Walter Payton was playing and bless those offensive linemen, but Reevee Sorry, correct? Yeah, it was Reevee. We had Reevee Noah, and uh, and these these guys I were think built, Dennis Lick. These guys were built. I mean, they you know they didn't bless them. And they were professional football players, and they were elite athletes. But they physically, you know, they had, you know, they didn't necessarily look like elite athletes. Am I correct? <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't. It wouldn't have won the, the look contest. That's for sure. No, I, I mean there were there was just beer bellies, and 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 it's a tribute to Walter breaking records with these guys up front. But how much of it of a variable is it? that these guys want to kill for you because they love Walter and they love you. Is that a big variable? Oh, there's no doubt about it. I mean, they can make your life miserable if they, if they don't, if they don't like you, respect you, uh, one little slip and they let their guy go and boom, hey, man, that's no fun. That's happened before. It happened to me in the pro bowl, actually. Uh, yeah, it, they, they can, they control what goes on back there. I mean, <clears throat> They, they don't get enough credit, especially our offensive line. They didn't get enough credit. You know, they, uh, they did something nobody's ever done prior or since. That's lead the league in rushing four straight years. Wow. And that's something that, you know, everybody knew we were going to run the ball. And to be able to run it when they know you're going to run it, that's, that's a tribute to those guys up front. And they just, you know, Jimbo finally got in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Uh, he's one guy. Uh, mm. I, think, I think our other tackle, Van Horn, should be in. I think our – center should be in i think our left guard should be in absolutely but that's, you know, that's, that's just me but i mean these guys these guys did something that's that's very unique and and, and they didn't get the credit they deserve you're absolutely right you're absolutely right man that is for sure um it looked like you know where everyone's saying oh you guys look like you were having a good time and you were but pe people don't realize that before then you know in order for you to have that good of a time you had to have worked your ass off and oh, man, there's no of, doubt. Nobody, nobody worked harder than we did. I mean, Dick, uh, our practices were not fun. I mean, we basically played, uh, four games a week, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday were like game days. You know, everything was live. There was no buddy, buddy periods, you know, you know, buddy Ryan and Mike Dickett didn't like each other. So they, they, you know, and that trickled down to the defense and offensive players. So, our, our practices would last three, three and a half hours. And then, uh, you know, cause there'd be fights pretty much every play. And then, uh, <laughs> and then Ditko, depending on what kind of mood Ditka was in, he, we'd get on the, 
you know, on the goal line and we'd have to run hundred yard sprints until they got tired of blowing the damn whistle. So, I mean, we were constantly, I think that's really what hurt us later on in, in 87 and 88, especially we just got tired. We just got tired of beating the crap out of each other. Sundays were easy. I mean, we couldn't wait to get to Sundays. You know, we had to go against the defense every day. And, you know, they made us better. I think we made them better. So, I mean, that's got to be scary because you're going against. But it takes its toll. Absolutely it does. Because every day in practice, you're going against the best defense of all time. Let's be honest. Yeah. And and nobody backed down. (laughs) I mean, my God, you have to look at Richard Dent and Mike Singletary coming at you and Steve McMichael and Hampton coming at you in practice. That's a nightmare. Yeah, buddy, buddy would always say, look, don't hit number 34 and don't hit number nine because everybody else is free game. And they'd always – they never hit Walter, <laughs> but they popped my ass a few times. I bet. Just to I, let me know I was there – you know, they were there. Yeah, indeed, but that still doesn't feel good. I won't take Richard Dent at 20% speed. <laughs> that's a that's a nightmare so it looked like walter was always pulling pranks am i wrong man it looked like he was a cheeky dude no he liked to uh he liked to do a lot of things he liked to pinch you underneath the just underneath your arm here and with his grip i mean it hurt so damn bad you almost <laughs> want to cry when he did it uh or he'd come up behind you and he'd, he'd grab you and he'd give you a just a bear hug and just pop every every you know vertebrae in your back and or he'd leave m80s hanging off the side of the uh racquetball court with a really long fuse and he'd be out of practice for 10 minutes guys would still be walking out and then boom you'd hear a big loud boom <laughs> scare the hell out of everybody i, I he, was, he was he was he had to you had to be on your toes with wally around what did you call him wally wally Wally. I always call him Wally. Walter sounded too, too formal for me. Cause what, I mean, he, he sounded like a little kid. I mean, his voice was, you know, really high. He yeah. used to, he used to, uh, answer the phone at the uh, Hallis hall all the time. They always thought he was a secretary and he would just, he'd, he'd hit buttons, push, you know, transfer calls and stuff. It was, it was, <laughs> he was always doing something. Man. W- what a sweet guy. I, I, man. It's, we miss him. We miss that guy. Oh, yeah. Sweetness. Mike. There's this great picture of him we're going to have to pull up where he's in the backfield and he's just literally pulling Matt Suey's shorts down. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, it just looked like how do you – I mean, you, you gave us examples how hard you guys were working, and yet he was still having fun through that pain. Oh yeah, I mean you have to. I mean you do. That's why I did a lot of the things I did just to just to stay sane. You know, you do the same. I mean, it's boring as hell when you sit in those meetings. You know, you get to work at eight in the morning. You got to sit in the meeting for two, three hours, and then then you got to go out on the field and you do a little walkthrough. Then you go back into meetings, and then you go back to practice. And after that, you got to lift. Then you got to see the trainer. I was always in the training room. I was, so I didn't ever get home to like, you know, six, eight o'clock every night. So 12 hour days and, and they weren't, they weren't a whole lot of fun. So we had to try to make our own fun. And that's what we did. And you're still doing it. You're still living the dream, man. And uh, I, I want you to, be, uh, anything that I can do to pass along any of these things that I've, I've found because I've, I banged myself up in, in, in various ways. I just, broke eight ribs on set doing my own stunts because I thought I was Tom Cruise and I'm not even Tom Arnold. <laughs> so it was a disaster. Um, yeah, but, ribs hurt. Ooh, eight, eight of them on the left side. And I had to go right back to work. Now I'm a little pussy and I fake it for a living and you guys are doing it for real, but still even faking it with eight broken ribs is no joke. Oh no, I know that. You just take a little shot, a little xylocaine, a little Marcane. One of the Kane brothers always seems to work. I think I took Big Daddy Kane. I took the wrong Kane, man, because <laughs> I'm still fucking hurting. It's fucked up. <laughs> but yeah, man, it's like you know we're trying to we're trying to get older gracefully and still laugh. You know, like Paul Newman said, "Growing old ain't for sissies," but you know we got to do the best we can. Yeah, I thought growing old would take a little longer. 
Uh. <laughs> is it taking too long for you? No, it's it's coming on quick. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, listen. The the great thing about you know PT and getting back with your guy, you know who you haven't seen for years, is that you know you get back into that, you start working on your body again, and only good stuff comes from that. You know. Yeah, I've been putting it off and putting it off, and because I know how bad it was going to hurt, and yeah, it hurt every bit, every bit as much as I remember it. Yeah. But it's it does I mean it feels great to get back in and at least do something. Exactly. I I want to see you doing more, man. I want to uh continue this relationship cuz in my mind we're best friends. I know it's very <laughs> awkward for you, Jimmy, but uh you know, I'm going to call you about 11 times a day. I don't know if that's too much for you, but uh <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, this is this has been great, man. I I appreciate your time. I really do, man. You know, Hey, you, no worries. I'm big, a big fan of your work as well, my man. Thank you. That that means nice a lot to me. Nice to know that Chicago guys are still doing all right. We're still doing all right, and and you know maybe we're connected with our fight because uh, you know I refuse to, to give up or or you know like Walter says never die easy. Yeah. You know I've been getting up off the canvas for for a while now, and and um, you know as an actor we're very lucky because you know I started probably when you did when about eight years old and you get to, we get to keep going and it's a gift, but you know, it, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a strange journey and you get knocked down a lot for oh, some, yeah. some ridiculous reasons and you got to keep going. But I do have that Chicago fight in me. So it means a lot to me. Like even talking to you is a, is a big shot in the arm for me. I'm good, man. I'm hope, hope that uh, the ribs, the ribs will heal up soon. Go back to, Enjoying breathing again. I'm a fan of breathing, and you as well, man. I hope to breathe in some good herbal medication with you on a golf course someday soon. Yeah, sounds good. I, I will definitely be locked and loaded. All right, brother. <laughs> Listen, have fun at Gibson's. Yeah, I will, my man. Okay. Take care. You too, brother. See you, later. See you man. How You Live in J. Piven is a common enemy. Original podcast. Producer is Kyle Tequila. Theme song by Common. To leave a message for Jeremy, go to speakpipe.com slash jpiven. Catch all new episodes of How You Live in J. Piven every Wednesday on YouTube and everywhere you get your podcasts. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.